Hello, and welcome to another episode of Starside Chat. I am one of your hosts, Zach Owens, and joining me, as always, is Aaron Capo. Hello! And uh, a lot of interesting stuff to talk about this week. We got yes. some confirmation of Summer Games Fest stuff uh, happenings. Yeah, it's a pretty exciting time, because we're, like, right on the cusp of, like, all the summer game shows The precipice. Happening. Yes. Uh, but before we get into that, do you want to look at the the uh, MPD group revealed the most played games of Q1 2022, and it's nothing like you're expecting. <laughs> Can I guess? Yeah, go ahead and guess them. I didn't put the link in our show notes specifically so that you would have to guess. Um, but I don't think you're going to get any of them right. You have to think is it, like... Is this like a top five or a top ten? There are ten. Is one of them... Fortnite. Yes. Is so you're on the right track if you're thinking this way and not like stuff that was actually released in Q1 2022. Is one of them Genshin Impact? No. Oh. Uh, hmm. Among Us. Among Us is on there, yeah. Man, that is where... All right, what else... What else could I say? One of them is an old game that you like, but I don't know if you've played recently. Apex. No, uh, even older. Like, go all the way back to 2009. I was I was still living in Texas at that time. Involves a lot of crafting. Minecraft. Yes. That makes sense to me because I didn't put it in the show notes, but the the second part of the wild update is coming out imminently. Oh, really? Uh, and so that's going to be something we'll talk about when it comes out, but uh, that makes sense to me because uh, that wild update is ramping up and you can play the beta builds of it right now. Another game on this list is one that you probably realize even if you don't, you're not thinking of it right now because it's a game that just every year continues to sell like hotcakes for some reason, even though it's like super old. The game from 2013. This is like a, a end of the 360 era release that somehow to this day still sells like crazy and is mm. just has a, a big active like online scene. Grand Theft Auto 5. Yes. Was that number uh, one? What's number one? Uh, they are not ranked in order. They are just... Oh. Here's 10 games that are um, <laughs> everybody's still playing. Um, and then a couple of games from 2020 that you probably would think of for a list like this. One of them is Elden a Ring? Nintendo first party for from 2020 uh, that everybody went crazy for just because it was like pan- oh. first year of the pandemic and Animal it, Crossing. Yes. Uh, and then the other one is uh, a big battle royale that happened in 2020. Hmm. What Warzone? Yep, Warzone. So really, that's surprising yeah. to me. It is surprising. I would not have. Th- I would have thought Apex over Warzone. But yeah. Maybe. Oh, but I guess that makes sense because they had that big like Godzilla versus Kong. Yes. Thing. What a weird thing. Did you watch any of that? I haven't seen any of that gameplay. I just like I've seen the trailers for it and it seems insane. I see clips of it on TikTok sometimes, but it's just like people <laughs> like flying planes into King Kong. <laughs> I don't know like how it works 
but I'm very I curious. This seems crazy to me. Uh, other ones on the list, they've got like Madden 22 and NBA 2K 22. Ooh. I guess those are doing well, but like, who cares? I'm a little surprised that FIFA isn't on there, which makes me think maybe this list is a little bit more geared towards the US as opposed to like worldwide. But mm-hmm. what do I know? Uh, also, Call of Duty Vanguard from last year on the list. And I don't even know what that is. <laughs> that one just skipped right over that one. Is it multiplayer? Call of Duty Vanguard? Yeah. Yeah, it was the big Call of Duty release from last year, but it's the World War II one, so nobody cared about it. Oh. But yeah, apparently I, that enough completely people completely skipped over. Apparently enough people cared about it that it's they're playing it and it made it on this list, but That's crazy. Um Oh wait, was that the one with like the crazy multiplayer level editor thing we saw a trailer for where like you could have you could make crazy multiplayer games? It's a Call of Duty game. I don't think they have a level editor. What am I thinking of? Maybe there was a Battlefield thing? I don't remember. Anyway, not important. (laughs) Oh, yeah. No, no, no. You're thinking of Battlefield 2042 because they had that, like, thing where uh, you could, like, mix and match different, like... you could create your own mode. It would be yeah. like one like tank versus a bunch yeah. of drones or something. Yeah, like that. yeah, yeah. That looked cool to me. Yeah, I, I mean, it that game apparently came out in a a bit of a buggy state, and so oh, really? as usual, people like uh, memed it and got all mad about it, and <laughs> it did not have the legs that a Call of Duty game has. But like, I liked what I played of it. And it did have some, like, cool stuff going on, so I don't know. It's crazy uh, to me that I had no idea that Call of Duty Vanguard existed. Really? I can't. Like, I remember it coming out and people, like, putting out videos, and I was just like, just like, I don't care. Like, why go back to World War II? <laughs> How do they not realize that nobody wants a World War II Call of Duty anymore? It's crazy. They just want, like, modern and, like, futuristic warfare shooters, but... Uh, and then the last game on this list is The Sims 4, which I find hard to believe, but I guess, huh. I guess it's on. It has like a million DLCs. Didn't they just come out with a new DLC for it? I, I guess they must have if it made this list, because that's a game from 2014. Yeah, yeah, they've just continued to iterate on that and include like content packs. I have no idea what the size of that game is anymore, but it's got to be massive, because it's gotten so many different modules added to it. Yeah, and I guess The Sims is the kind of game that like people who don't consider themselves gamers will play on a mm. re- fairly regular basis. So it's one of those types of games. Uh, but anyway, that's play, the uh, list. Do you still play Wordle every once in a while? Yeah, pretty much every day, yeah. Did you see earlier, I think it was this week, one of the uh, things was Gamer? Oh, yeah. That was cool, right? Yeah. Okay, let's continue with news. <laughs> uh, did you get today's Wordle by a chance? Uh, let me look. It's usually the first thing I do every morning. Um, I did, but it took me all of the tries. <laughs> I don't think it took me all the tries, but it took me maybe four tries. Those ones that only have one vowel really get me because if, yeah. like, if you don't get the right vowel, you're just guessing nonsense. 
I know. That's why you have to start out with words that you know are likely not the word, but they just have a lot of the vowels in there. So you can just yeah. like figure out what the all important vowel is. I need to do that. I need to get one of those. I remember when Wordle first started, there were all those articles about like, we used machine learning to figure out the best first guess on Wordle. And every time it was like crane, maybe. Yeah, uh, I think I saw that. Yeah. I've, then you I've would used like, that as a starter word every once in a while. Two days later, like another article would come out and be like, well, we used machine learning and it's actually this. Yeah. Now it's radio because it knocks out <laughs> three vowels in one go. Smart. What I've learned is even though it's like strategically a good idea to try a word that ends in like es it's pretty much never going to be a word that ends in yeah. es <laughs> i don't know why that almost it's never almost never or, a plural word or yeah yeah that's what i mean like not a plural word so you could like do draws but it's not going to be draws you know what i mean yeah. like you can use mm -hmm. that as a word to rule out other letters but like it's not going to be a plural word it's just going to be a you know because s word. is still a uh, like a used letter a bunch like even if it doesn't end in s it might have like an st at the beginning or something yeah it's a common letter so it's good to use it but like i don't know it's never going to be a word that is just plural it's just like the plural version of a word until it is yeah well one of the the rules will change eventually once they've used up all the other words let's talk about these sony tv shows yeah, so Sony announced Horizon and God of War, which we already knew, uh, and also Gran Turismo are getting TV shows for different weird... streaming services. Gran Turismo is weird to me because yeah. there's no story in that game. Yeah, that's the one that I like. Really, sort of like turned my head about. I was like, really, Gran Turismo? Like, I get Horizon, I get God of War, I even get like if they wanted to do a Ratchet and Clank series, but like mm. Gran Turismo. What's going on there? Horizon is interesting because I feel like they really got to spend a bunch of money on that. And uh, yeah. I don't know. I feel like companies right now have not had a great track record of spending a bunch of money on stuff. Yeah, like the Halo TV series does not have the yep. best special effects from what That's what I was thinking of, yeah. Uh, and so I feel like... I mean, it's going to be a little less difficult because you can just... Like, the main character is just a person. It's not like somebody True. in like crazy looking armor uh, who's going up against these people that you basically have to use CG. Like you're, it's she's talking to a lot of humans, and then mm -hmm. you, I guess you will have like CG for the machines, but like it's easier to do a CG machine than it is like the um, what are the enemies in Halo? I already forget the Covenant. Yeah, the Covenant. The elites. Like, it's hard to do one of those and make it look right, especially when know, it's man. interacting with a human character. It's going to be a lot of CG, I have to say. Unless, I mean, what what you really want them to do is to go practical with some of the stuff, but I feel like that's not an option these days. They're just going to like revert to doing CG. Yeah, not, not for a TV show, it wouldn't be. If this was like a big Hollywood movie, um, that might be an option, but like... For a TV series, I feel like they're yeah. not going to be able to pull off the budget necessary for that. Yeah. But. Now, God of War is interesting because it hits that middle ground where you might not need that much CG, but you will need it eventually. 
Yeah. It's really going to depend on who they get to play Kratos. Yeah, which, I mean, we've talked a little bit about that. I still hope they go with uh, Christopher Judge, but I yeah, love that. they're going to have to get the, the casting right on that for sure. Um, you, get to play the little ki- you know who you could get to play the little kid is that Finn Wolfhart. Who's that? He's the kid from Stranger Things that's all semi-grown up now who's in Ghostbusters Afterlife. I mean, they could pull pretty much any of the kids from it's true. Stranger Things. But he's the most annoying, I feel like, and that kid was super annoying in that game. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I see. Just, like, find the most annoying one of them. and I don't know. He's just, as long as he responds to boy, he's fine. Yeah, that's true. That's <laughs> all it takes. What are the? Uh, I did read this that uh, Sony said they're going to bring more games, more of their games, their first party games to PC. Yeah, so the way I look at this, they released a few games like God of War and Horizon to PC, and they were like, oh. And Final Fantasy VII. Oh, you know what? Games actually sell on PC. We can totally make money on selling games on PC. Also, it's hard for people to get a PS5 right now. Maybe it makes a lot of sense (laughs) to release our games on PC. Still very Uh, scarce. Yeah, so... Uh, I guess they're going to bring... It would make sense if they brought uh, Horizon Forbidden West eventually since Zero Dawn mm. is already on PC. Mm. Um, they they released Death Stranding that uh, did well, I think, uh, for PC as well. But, I mean, they uh, they could bring like Ratchet & Clank. I mean, I, I feel like there's any number of games that they could bring. I think they are supposed to bring the Uncharted games to PC as well. That would be great. I think that's on their list of uh, games coming to PC. I the thing about Sony is they do it in sort of like delayed fashion. They don't like it's not day and date, so they still give you a reason, I guess, to own a PS5. But um, whereas with Microsoft, they're just like as soon as this launches, yeah. it's going to be day and date PC, Xbox, wherever you want to play, and also it's on Game Pass. <laughs> so. Uh, which makes me wonder if eventually Sony will start doing wise up. those things. Yeah, wise up, get their their exclusives on PC, and also like make their new PlayStation Plus tiers make one of those tiers have access to day and date like their exclusives. But mm. we'll see. We'll see if that's how it goes. Um, it would be awesome if they could get Bloodborne on PC. I think that would be uh, a really hot seller for them since it is like relegated to PS4 right now. It's crazy. Yeah. It's crazy that you can't play it on modern systems or you. I mean, I guess you could. Yeah. uh, Backwards compatibility. But like there's not like a sort of, you know, the ideal version where you have this crazy gaming PC that can run it on like these insane settings. But uh, let's talk about Jeff Keighley. Yeah, let's talk about Jeff Keighley. So he loves I'm, new stuff. He's all he about new stuff. And so Twitter invented this thing that no one cares about <laughs> called Spaces that I don't even know what it is. But Me he was either. like, I'm I'm going to utilize this to do a Q&A about Summer Games Fest. And I did not watch it. You didn't watch it? I, I tuned into a little bit of it. And the one bit I caught was uh, somewhat interesting because somebody is basically like a live radio call-in show Mm -hmm. and there were a bunch of people that were on the call and it is like a weird thing like 
I don't know. I didn't know what it was either until I clicked. I was like, oh, I see. <laughs> um, but Jeff Keighley, he's on top of all this new tech and he's utilizing it. So, you know. I don't know. Uh, I, I follow like, I probably follow over 100 people on Twitter. Probably, I don't know what the exact number is. He is the only person that has ever used this feature that I follow. <laughs> yeah, I think that's true of me as well. I think I've only ever seen him Because it like it. puts like a bar on the top of the app like hey someone's doing a live thing and it's like what is this yeah that's basically what happened when i clicked on it uh this happened like a week ago or so but uh somebody called in and asked him like you know what he thought the future for like summer games fest was and if he was maybe planning on turning it into more of an e3 style like live show with big presentations like on a mm. stage and all of that and um he said he kind of prefers the idea of like a decentralized version of that where there's like maybe live presences in multiple cities around the world. So it's not like mm. just in L.A. or wherever they have their E3 stage, uh, but also that he doesn't want to like move away from like digital stuff like he wants to keep it because there's like good opportunity for um, like previews and demos and like interacting with a lot of people around the world that can't make it to e3 or like some sort of live show and so he kind of doesn't want to abandon those people as well which maybe they're they've found that like the digital stuff works out well which maybe would be why nintendo abandoned yeah. doing any sort of live stage thing and just went with nintendo directs years ago but um he also said that they have like 30 to 40 games that they're going to show off at Summer Games Fest. So it's a good number. Good number. Pretty exciting. Um, yeah. So I thought it was interesting just thinking about the future of like E3 and the, the Summer Games Fest and sort of where it goes from here. And like, because we've, we've been wondering with E3 sort of being put on the back burner over the last few years and now just like completely exiting this year. You they, wonder like where they're where they're going with it, what's gonna happen in the future, and so Summer Games Fest is kind of like picking up the slack. They said the ESA or whatever, when they canceled E3 this year, they were like, We're gonna redouble our we're canceling this year, we're redoubling our efforts to make a big comeback in twenty twenty three. Who knows if that's true or not? Like it seems like they're bad people, so they could just be <laughs> lying. Yeah. Uh but it could be that we see we do see some sort of revival of in-person events in 2023 from the ESA. But, I mean, if this goes really well, I mean, maybe Keeley's thing will just be the only game in town and no one will really care about it. Yeah, I don't know. I, I uh, like, one of the things I think about when I think about E3 is like Nintendo always does like they have their Nintendo direct style thing. But then after mm -hmm. that, I feel like they have multiple days of like what they call Treehouse yeah, live, the Treehouse live. Yeah. Yeah. Where they like have these like sets. I remember, I think it was 2019 ahead of the launch of uh, Luigi's mansion. They had this like big thing that they had set up to, to basically look like Luigi's mansion. And they had like a bunch of people there that were dressed as like, hotel staff and like people were, would take their cameras in and go around and uh, then they could check out the game and everything. And it was like awesome to see, even if I was witnessing it from afar, like over the internet, but like, 
I miss stuff like that. Like I would love it if like last year watching them play Metroid Dread, like ahead of the release of that, like I don't want to see stuff like that go away. So it would be nice, even if it's like what Keeley says, like maybe they have like Nintendo's doing something in Japan where they have like Treehouse Live and maybe, um, you know, you've got Microsoft doing something here in the U.S. somewhere. And I don't know. I, w- I would love it if this stuff lives on and does not go away. So I agree. I mean, I love E3. And I, there is something to be said for it to be like centralized in a way. I mean, whenever you hear reporters talking about old e3s it's always like they say the hidden benefits of e3 are like the connections that you make or like yeah the weird random indies that you run into and write a piece on and suddenly they explode um like it, it's a it's a cool thing to happen i wish it was not run by a bad organization that constantly is like making mistakes but um uh, i guess we'll see what happens next year maybe they will like really rebound and people will be like hungry for it that would be great i would love for it to continue me too and i think you're right it it, i think it is better as a more centralized thing where like everybody like you can just send like one team of reporters if you're an outlet trying to cover the thing as opposed to like well now we gotta have people watching this thing over there in europe and now we have to have somebody watching this thing in japan and it's going to like the one in Japan is going to happen like overnight while everybody's asleep. And like, you know, you got to worry about all of that stuff. So I do like the idea of just like, okay, Microsoft is here. Uh, Sony's here. Nintendo's there. And everybody mm-hmm. just like walks across the street to go to the next one. You know, it's cool. It's a cool vibe. Yeah. Even if I can't go to it or haven't been to one, I love watching all the coverage and whatever makes that coverage easier to happen i'm all for it we'll talk a little bit more about the fake e3 that's happening this year in a little bit but before that how about we bring the mood way down yeah let's bring it way way down um how excited are you for a lord of the rings game zero percent zero percent well no i would say no let me say this i'll say ten percent and then you would continue to say okay this Lord of the Ring game is exclusively about Golem. And I would say 0%. Ah. Gollum? Gollum. I don't know how to say it. Because when you watch the movie, he like chokes over himself trying to say um, Gollum all the time. So. That's right. Yes, anyway. this is the Gollum game. That's a weird third person stealth game about the life of Gollum that, as far as I can tell, no one was asking for. Uh, Maybe they were in like 2010. Yeah, you know, literally maybe, 12 years ago, maybe earlier than that, even like 2005. I don't know. <laughs> like if you go back a long time ago, when did those movies come out? I forget. But whenever those uh, movies came ago. out, that was when the hype for all things Lord of the Rings was. And you could have released something like this and people would have cared about it. Um but uh, I think it was IGN. They did a like a preview of it, and they were like, "I don't know, this isn't looking too great." Um, so basically, it it is a stealth game. From what I read, it sounded somewhat similar to like a Plague Tale, where you're sneaking around and there's a lot of mm. like stealth aspects. But also, they said that there's not really like you're not leveling up. Like there's not character progression. So you have all the abilities you're going to have from the start of the game. Mm. And so one, 
that's a little less appealing to me, but also like harder for the devs because they have to make those levels, those uh, set pieces really interesting and it has to continue to evolve and get more interesting from like a level design perspective because your abilities in game are not changing. So I don't, it's going to depend, I guess, on how well they pull that off. What's the timeline? Like, is this going to go through his entire life? Like, is it going to dip into when he's hanging out with Frodo and Sam? It's supposed to take place a few years before Fellowship of the Ring. So, so there's not, it's not going to end with him killing himself. There's not going to be a a prompt where you press a button and then jump into a volcano. I don't believe so. (laughs) Uh, Maybe that's DLC. Press F Uh, to jump into volcano. (laughs) Yeah. Um, but no, I, I don't know. And they also said there's supposed to be some Bioware like decision making, but I mean, what? I don't even know how that would work. We know how his story ends. We know how his story ends and we're like, the game takes place before any of the interesting things happen. So I don't like, why is this being made? (laughs) It's a little like that uh, Black Widow movie where you're like, we know mm. like the most interesting parts of her story already because we've already seen them, and we also know how she dies. So like, why are you making a prequel movie starring her? Like nobody cares. Like it doesn't make any sense. Um. So yeah, I don't. I, I don't really think I'm interested in this, but they did announce i think that it's releasing on september 1st and there's supposed to be a switch version eventually what so i don't know i don't know well let's talk about this uh the star wars fallen order was free was like a stadia free title uh last year at some point and so i I picked it up because i had a stadia pro membership and i played through maybe four five hours of it i i got to the point where i got the double lightsaber and then i just kind of dropped off of it and then i don't have stadia pro anymore so i could buy it i guess or resub to stadia pro and continue to play it but um, i feel like i see this game on sale on different platforms quite frequently so it was fine i mean i i liked it we were talking about this before we started recording but uh you played it a little bit as well but kind of bounced off of it pretty quickly yeah i'm not sure i even played as much as you do because i i don't remember whether i had double lightsabers or not but it was uh, this was years ago though i i'm now an elden lord so maybe it's true maybe i could go back to it and get something i definitely set it on easy because uh, like oh, the I forgot first are there world, difficulty I, modes yeah you can set it out on like super easy and then it just becomes like a story game basically well I, um, I just remember one of the reasons I bounced off of it was there was a part like and this is still pretty early on in the game where I like was on this planet and it was there was like a lot of like tall grass and stuff and I was walking around and uh, these like rams just like started running into me and mm-hmm. I could not seem to kill them for some reason. And they killed me in like two hits. And I was like, I don't know if I'm looking for this type of game from star yeah. Wars. I want to feel like, um, was that force unleashed game where you're just like crazy yeah. powerful, like pulling down star of, destroyers. Yeah. Where you're able to pull down a star destroyer. I want to feel that when I play a star Wars game, I don't want to feel like, Oh, some random animal that I've, didn't even think to fight 
might just come along and kill me in two shots if I'm not careful. Mm-hmm. Like that's not really what I want out of a Star Wars game, but maybe I'm wrong. Maybe if I revisited this game now that I have played a, a Souls like game, maybe I've I heard would the story is it. good. Um and I think it's it is canon. I think that Cal Kestis might come like be real in some sense. Uh like the actual actor might show up in a live action thing. Uh I mean, they could just make a movie or TV series starring him as well. Yeah. I mean, he might show up in the Obi-Wan show. Oh, really? Is that what's rumored? I don't don't know. I I have no idea. Um, But I think that would fit the timeline. Um, Or would it? I actually have no idea. (laughs) I was going to say, I'm disconnected from Star Wars at this point. (laughs) But they announced uh, Star Wars Jedi Survivor, which is the sequel to this. Uh, And that's cool. Yeah, um, I they, the trailer they had was just a teaser, uh, so you don't get to see any actual gameplay from it, but I don't know, this is a, like, people like this game, like, we're maybe the only ones who are, like, sort of cold on it. As, star, as far as, like, Star Wars stuff goes, like, I think this game was better than the last, like, two or three movies, because I mean, people more, are really... more than just two or three. <laughs> yeah. Even it having was, not uh, finished this game, I think what little I played of it, it's already like better than uh, all the Disney Star Wars movies. I'm just gonna say. <laughs> so like I'm pro that, and I don't. I don't think it was a bad game. I just think I, you know, kind of bounced. It was off just it a not bit. for us, maybe. Yeah, I think if I was interested in like uh, Star Wars lore, I would have been super into it because I have heard that people who are into Star Wars really like the second part of the game has like apparently some good twists or whatever. Mm. But uh I I'm I'm pro this. I don't know that I'll play it, but I it's interesting. Yeah, I mean, I feel like there was an era for Star Wars games that I was into like in particular like GameCube, Xbox, and PS2 era, there was like a lot of mm. really good Star Wars games that I really liked. But I don't know. I feel like and I'm not like a big expanded universe person, but like when they killed off all of that, I did lose some interest. And then, like, all the stuff they sort of replaced it with, I've not been that into. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know. I've just been less and less interested in Star Wars as a franchise over time. So, I even though I think it's an interesting idea to make a Souls-like game in the Star Wars universe... I don't know if I care enough about the franchise anymore to want to play it, but maybe that's just me. Let's talk about fake E3. Okay. Because uh, Summer Games Fest was the first thing that got announced. And then this week, uh, PlayStation announced that they're going to have a June 2nd state of play about 30 minutes long. And uh, I guess it's going to be PSVR 2 focused. Hmm. So there's going to be at least 20 major games for the VR platform at launch. Uh, And I think a large portion of this state of play is going to be just discussing all the things that are coming to PSVR 2 and also probably the release date for PSVR 2. And that's the first thing on our slate of faux E3 press conferences. Is this something I should get or... I don't know. It looks very promising. Uh, They definitely have updated a lot. They've learned a lot since 
the first PSVR, which was solid. They had an interesting way of holding the helmet on your head, which I liked. They had like kind of a uh, what do they call it? Call it a uh, like a they had a special name for it, but um, it basically like it was like a ring that kind of wrapped around the the top of your head, and then the goggles kind of were on a rail that pushed onto your face. But they've learned a lot from the quest line of uh headsets and all the oculus stuff now meta um and so the controllers look way better they have actual parity with i was gonna say uh, no longer using move controllers yes yeah they actually have parity with stuff on like pc so it would be a boon and i've heard a rumor that uh half-life alex could come to this thing at launch which would be insane that would be crazy Uh, because I watched someone, pl- I I believed that I would maybe never get to play that game, uh, and so I watched someone play through all of it, and it blew my mind. Uh, even though I was just watching it and not experiencing it, and so I think I will at some point get this if it uh, if they continue to support it, because I think I'll definitely get a PS Five at some point, and this thing looks solid. I am interested to see this thing. I also heard a rumor that it could be compatible with. Uh, like you could use it on PC maybe because it's just going to be USB connected to the, uh, the PS five. So people were speculating that it could have, uh, usability on a a computer that had like some sort of software that integrate. Cause you can use a, uh, a quest on steam VR, Mm. uh, like valve is very pro you using other third party headsets to play stuff on steam VR. Well, that's what I, yeah, that's what I was thinking. Like, if you could plug it in, I wonder if Steam would like do some updates to make it work with it could VR be. games on their platform. It'd be very exciting. But uh, yeah, I'm interested in this for sure, and I I'm excited that this is going to be the kickoff thing. Even though it isn't like like general Sony, it seems to be just about PSVR two. I think there could be some exciting announcements at this. I'm not quite as enamored with VR as you are, but I do. I will be interested to see like what they have for it and what some of the stuff looks like. But so that's June second. I don't know if we're gonna get any Ragnarok news, but this would probably be the place where they would announce a release date for Ragnarok. Um, then yeah. Summer Games Fest is a week later. So Thursday, June second, six p.m. ET is the state of play then nothing for now it could be that we get announcements that are gonna there's gonna be the nintendo direct will will go in that slot (laughs) directly following uh and they won't announce it until thursday they love to make you wait or they love to not make you wait they're they always are like hey tomorrow yeah that's what they do with the switch release like nobody knew what this was it was always i always subscribed to the subreddit Nintendo NX because we didn't know what the name of it was. Mm-hmm. And then they tweeted just like a picture of Mario behind a curtain being like, hey, check out tomorrow. We're going to release it at 9 a.m. They, they make um, you wait because you're like, are we going to get an announcement about a Nintendo Direct? And yeah. so you're waiting for that. And then they're like, oh, by the way, it's tomorrow. And you're like, oh, <laughs> I guess no wait anymore. So then a week will pass. And then Summer Games Fest Live is going to happen Thursday, June 9th at 2 p.m. ET. I have gotten this day off, and so it is being shown at an IMAX theater in my area. I might go to the IMAX theater to watch this. I haven't decided yet. 
I this would is be very be interesting show. to hear your report on uh, what that experience was like. I was looking at tickets, and actually, the the theater it's in is actually somewhat full. So I I was not expecting it to be, but a lot of the rows are taken up, which is kind of crazy um, to me, at least. But uh, this is going to be the big show. I think this is going to be. You said you said thirty to forty games is what Keeley said in his weird spaces thing. So. Mm-hmm. I am pretty excited for this. This I think you and I are going to record directly after this and uh, chat all about it. Uh, but uh, I'm pretty excited for this. And then on Saturday, June 11th, Gorilla Collective, which I am not familiar with. Are you familiar with Gorilla Collective? Mm, uh, this sounds vaguely familiar. I'm sure they have done shows like this in the past, and I'm just not thinking of what it is. They're doing a something, whatever it is, on <laughs> Saturday, June 11th at 11 a. As long as it's not like the Coke Media one yeah. that we joked about before we started recording, if you remember that from last year. Then uh, Just devs, just for devs. Or that uh, Netflix gaming thing from a couple yeah. years ago. Yeah, that was awful as well. Uh, Wholesome Direct is Saturday, June 11th at 12.30 p.m., this was uh, pretty solid last year, I yeah, feel like. Yeah, I feel they like there was a lot of really good play. indies that I added to my uh, Steam wish list. From so this shows. one I'm excited to watch. Uh, and I don't, they haven't said like how long it's going to be or how many games they're going to show, but this will be one that will be interesting to tune in for. Then, I don't know what this is. The Future Games Show is at 3 p.m. on June 11th. Uh it's an hour-long showcase put on by Games Radar. The publication says it'll spotlight 40 games, mostly from mid-sized publishers like Team 17 and Thunderful. Uh, I which do is like exciting. 40 games. games. Yeah. That's a good number of games. So who, whatever this could be, I'm interested in this. I don't believe that there has ever been one of these before. I do wonder. Uh, I think there was one last year. Was there? Yeah. And I think... I feel like some of it is overlap as well, so I, I hopefully it's not too much overlap. But I feel like last year I watched, I tried to watch all the shows, and there was like, mm-hmm. um, I th- I think Gorilla Collective was there, but I forget what it was. There was Wholesome Direct, and I think there was also Future Games Show, and then there was like Summer Games Fest, and maybe one other one that was like a Steam or like PC. It was the PC game show. Yes, um, and I feel like. There was some overlap. Like you, you knew you're probably gonna see uh, Death Door at pretty much all of them, and you know it was stuff like that. Like you would, you know, you would see at least a trailer for like all the indie darlings. Yeah, but they they also each had like their own handful of ones that you didn't see at other places. So there was that as well. So shifting to Sunday, the next big show, which. I believe to be when we're going to get a bunch of Starfield information is the Xbox and Bethesda game showcase. That's the exciting un- one. <laughs> yeah, that's going to be exciting. It's unclear. We talked a little bit about this. If maybe they're going to pull back on Starfield a little bit since it got delayed, but I think we're still going to get more details on it, but it's not just the Bethesda showcase. It's the Xbox and Bethesda. So, I mean, they, they have any number of things. They've purchased so many development houses uh who knows what could be there you know yeah this is it'll be interesting to see how they work it out because it is the first you know bethesda showcase under xbox so you have to you know we were speculating on whether 
the Xbox would give them time to do like a mm. full show the way they would have done with like say Fallout 4 when they did that. I'd, I think they w- I think that would be a, a for sure thing if it was coming out this year, yeah. but now I'm hesitant about it since yeah. it's been delayed. I have to wonder about that now for sure. But yeah, they've got a lot of stuff to show because the Xbox has like a million other studios now. Yeah. Um and then after that, uh the PC gaming show is at noon or no, is at three PM. Uh duh, duh, duh. not much information about this, but could be interesting. Following that, Thursday, June twelfth, there is so this is post so everything is pretty much contained in this two week period, and then all these other things are just later in the summer. And actually, I don't even know if we need to talk about these. <laughs> There's an Overwatch showcase happening on June 16th, which I don't know why that's happening. THQ New York showcase is happening in August. And then Gamescom will be something we probably do cover, but that's not until August 23rd. So we'll talk about that later on. Yeah, that's but, like uh, last year uh, EA did their show like a month or two like after everything else. And it was like, why are you spaced foolish. out so far? But... Yeah, people are primed for information during this two-week period, and I feel like you're a fool if you want to, like, I guess there's something to be said for, like, owning the news cycle if you're the only thing going on, but also, like, if you don't have a lot going on, you gotta ride the coattails of something like this, and, like, you'll be included in the conversation more if you are in this little fake E3 period. So, we haven't heard anything from... Ubisoft or Nintendo. Those are, guess, I guess, the two, and no Devolver Digital announcements as well. I, were we recording when we started talking about this? But um, Devolver Digital always has a super weird, cool little showcase, and yeah, they have not announced anything during this period. So maybe it's not happening this year. That would be a bummer because I love to watch those. But uh, I feel like eventually we'll hear about like it'll be the same like with Nintendo. Where it'll be like oh. The uh, developer digital one's happening, you know, tomorrow or whatever. <laughs> There's a plenty of time between the Sony State of Play and Summer Games Fest. There's a whole week where there's nothing going on. So that would be a great time to drop one of those in. Or maybe at some point on Saturday or Sunday. But, uh, yeah. What do you think about the slate? Are you excited for thing- more things than just uh, the Games Fest and Bethesda? I mean, definitely I'm looking forward to the Sony State of Play and I'm looking forward to the Xbox and Bethesda one. Uh, but the I remember last year finding those like smaller shows like the PC game show and like uh, future game show and Wholesome Direct that had like not as big games, but they were like really interesting, like indie games. I, I remember finding those shows to be a lot of fun because I was like, oh man, this looks cool, and this looks cool, and this looks cool. And I, I just added like, I don't know, like a hundred games to my like Steam wish list <laughs> from just like watching those shows and yeah. getting hyped for all these like fun little games and not necessarily like the big like AAA games that everybody's looking forward to. So I'm into those shows as well. Um, yeah, it's always an exciting time. It's it is something to look forward to for sure. We should do uh, maybe like I think next week will be our like full predictions episode for everything. But uh, 
I'm on the record as saying that ALF is going to make an appearance at Games <laughs> Fest. Do you have one major prediction for uh, for Summer Games Fest? Mm, I'm going to go with God of War Ragnarok gets a release Whoa. date, but it's not this year. It's next year. 2023. Yeah, I could see that. Maybe that's um, too easy a call to make, and it's not a, a wild prediction. I want okay. to talk about this before we get into anything else. Also, uh, Star Wars Celebration was this past week, which a bunch of news about random stuff, but they also released the, the first real trailer for Willow. Did you ever watch Willow when you were a kid? Yeah. It's been forever, but I remember that movie. I loved that movie, and so they're making a little TV show about it, and uh, it looks okay. I'm interested to watch it. They had a little bit of the music, the score from Willow in it that uh, got me a little bit, but uh, yeah, that's something we'll maybe talk about if it starts to be in the zeitgeist. Is it bringing back, uh, what's his name? Mad Mardigan. The, The guy that played Willow. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they are. Uh, what about, uh, who else was in Val Kilmer? Oh yeah. Val Kilmer was in it. He is not in the trailer and he also, Top Gun Maverick came out this week and I can't tell if he's in that movie. Val Kilmer famously has had some health troubles and maybe isn't able to talk anymore. Uh, but I believe if he shows up in person in Top Gun Maverick, they have not showed them in the trailers, but I think if he shows up in Top Gun Maverick, I think there is a somewhat high likelihood that he will appear briefly in Willow. But uh, I feel like if he's not in Top Gun Maverick, he's probably not in any state to be in this Willow show. So I hope he is. Uh, Mad Mardian is a great character, um, but we'll see. Yeah, I'm interested in watching that for sure. But I don't want to sub to Disney Plus, but maybe I will have to. <laughs> Sooner or later. I uh I would like some updates on your Steam Deck. Because I know you you told me you completed Tunic. I guess this is kind of a mixed in what we're playing, watching, and an update on Steam Deck. But uh, how are you liking it? I, I'm liking it. So I played the entirety of Death's Door on the Steam Deck. I finished that Ooh. up uh, this last week. And I really like that game. And it was sort of the like perfect you know, Steam Deck game or like a Switch game, if you were going to say that. But that's kind of the nice thing about the Steam Deck is now you kind of like every time like an indie game came out previously where you're like, when is it coming to Switch? Like, I hope it gets a Switch release. (laughs) And now it's just like if an indie game comes to Steam, which they pretty much all start on Steam, it's just like, oh, I have a perfect game to play on my Steam Deck now. So... Uh, yeah, not having to wait for it to come to Switch is pretty great. How did you uh, how did you find the bosses in Death Store? Because I had a real trouble with the Yeti who would roll into you. Mm-hmm. I found that to be very difficult. Uh, I like each of the bosses. It was kind of like with like Elden Ring or Souls, like where you have to die a number of times to like kind of figure out the patterns yeah. and like when your opportunities to attack were I the so I I mean I obviously died like several times on each of the bosses to like sort of figure out how it worked and just to like get the timing down on things but um he was not too bad because you you just like learn as soon as you see him winding up to roll 
you just kind of yeah. have to you have to wait a little bit longer than maybe you think you have to at first mm-hmm. um, for him to actually hit the ground and start rolling before you do your dodge. But like once you work that out, it's not too bad. Um, the final boss was the tough one. Yeah, because the final boss uh, uses pretty much every attack you've seen before <laughs> from previous bosses and yeah. just all rolled into one. Um, but you have seen all of those before, so you kind of know how to deal with them, but you just sort of have to deal with them again and know that it can go from one boss's set of attacks to a different boss's set of attacks. Um, but it, did you, they uh, kept it pretty consistent uh, in terms of like when he was going to do things, so you kind of knew what to look for, but... Did you do any of the post-game stuff? Well, so I did, once I finished the final boss, I went back and found all of the weapons, and I found yeah. all of the shrines. So mm-hmm. I I should have done that before I did the final boss, but I <laughs> had full health and full uh, magic after <laughs> defeating the boss. Um, that would have made things a little bit easier, but yeah, no, that final boss is like, it's, there's sort of like three stages to it. There's like the intro stage where he jumps around and you attack him and then he goes through a door and then that's like a checkpoint. So if you die after that, you start at the, that second checkpoint and then it's like a gauntlet where you're just like running through, um, what do you call that part of the world? Like the The door zone, door zone. Uh, and there are these like bulls that have like doors for heads that keep running at you and you're like using the grappling hook to like go from to try to avoid them. Uh, and then you'll eventually go to through another door and it'll be like one of the different zones you've been to previously in mm-hmm. the game and you'll you'll deal a little damage to the final boss and then so you have to do that like that middle section is like really feels long and hard to get through it's punishing yeah yeah but once you get through that you're like good you can uh that's another checkpoint so you can start from there uh doing the final actual boss fight and so uh it wasn't too bad once i got there but now juxtapose that with your time with tunic did you also play tunic on no, I, so I played Tunic on Game Pass, and I'm not sure. Like, I'm pretty confident you can get Game Pass games to run on the Steam Deck, but I wasn't sure how the like the cloud if you could cloud save it or not. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was having trouble with cloud save through Steam, which is supposed to work just right out of the box. So I I just didn't want to mess with it. So I, I plus I was pretty far in Tunic. Um, already so i just wanted to wrap it up and yeah the final boss of that like i got to a point i think it was the last two bosses where i was just like all right i'm done messing with the stamina thing so i turned off the stamina (laughs) so that because uh we talked about this before but like the way it works is every time you attack every time you dodge roll and every time you block an attack it like uses up some of your stamina and Mm -hmm. if you run out of stamina your stamina bar turns red and while it's red and you have no stamina you take extra damage if you get hit which you're going to do because you can no longer block and dodge so it's like it feels really punishing and you have to like be very careful about um, managing your stamina bar and I made it through most of the game that way 
like with, you know, the regular difficulty and the regular like stamina um, functions. And then I just, I got sick of it with this uh, second to last boss. And so I turned that off and it was still like, that didn't make it any easier because that boss is like pretty tough. And so I was like, I got to the point where I was like, I just am kind of ready to be done with this game. (laughs) And so I, I even turned off the like, put on easy mode or the no fail mode, I think is what they say. Yeah. You, where you can't take damage. Yeah. And so I got through the final or that second to last boss using that. And then after that, uh, I guess spoilers for tunic, but you have to like, um, you die. Cause you go to fight the final boss and he kills you. Even if you're in no fail mode, you die. That's supposed to happen. And then, um, you enter like this shadow version of the place that you're at, like the the map, and you're kind of like a ghost person, and so you have to go around to all the hero shrines that are scattered across the map, and you have to like mm-hmm. pray at the shrines or whatever. And each time you do that, you regain a little bit of yourself, like you regain like each of those different stat upgrades that you get along the way. There's like five or six different attributes that you're leveling up. Uh, along the way and so you're reclaiming one of those at each of the shrines basically and that's how you regain your physical form and then you can go back and fight the final boss and that final boss is an insane battle like i I was playing it on no fail mode and i was like i would die so many times (laughs) trying to get through this if i didn't have no fail mode on and it was just like i don't know i don't think i would have had fun trying that boss fight without no fail <laughs> so, so i finished it to finish it and not necessarily because i was uh loving the combat but mm-hmm. so i definitely think death door is a much better game than tunic but i like a lot of the ideas in tunic so yeah like, it's it's a bummer we talked about it i think a couple of shows ago it's like everything about it is great except for the gameplay it's yeah. like the one thing that's bad about it yeah and it's like that's not a small thing either so like that's yeah. why i'm so like kind of mixed on it because there's so much i like about it like i like the the art style i like the music i like the the world i like the sort of uh set piece design and i like that the little instruction manual. Yeah, that you're going around collecting those pages for the instruction manual and you're able to pull that up and um like use it to like some of them are map pages and some of them are, are just about like enemies and the different items that you get in the game and different abilities. I liked all of that stuff. I just never enjoyed the combat. And that's kind of <laughs> you're doing a lot of combat throughout the game. So that's kind yeah. of a big knock on it. But I I highly recommend Death's Door, though. (laughs) Yeah, that I loved. I I frequently will get the music to that stuck in my head. Yeah, I was listening to the soundtrack earlier this week. My only complaint with it is that it is like they don't really put the new weapons in your field of view. Like, you can very easily skip over getting, like, the daggers and stuff. Yeah. Um, So I played most of the game with just, like, the default weapon. Um. I, I found so there's an umbrella that you can find in like yeah, the I found the umbrella the door because that's in your path like there's yeah. it's very hard to not miss that um or and then the like the thunder hammer which is the one I ended up using the most I found that I also found 
I found that one pretty easily. It's the other two. It's the daggers yeah. and, and the, the big sword, big like great sword that you feels like you kind of have to earn those because you're they're not yeah. easy to find. And even if they are like you can see them in the world, it's not clear how to get to them. So I did like look up a guide to find those two. Great world design, though, I have to say. Yeah, very good world design. Um, great art style, great music. I enjoyed the combat significantly more than Tunic. I just oh, yeah. can't recommend that game enough, especially if you like Zelda-like games. So, Let's talk about Switch Sports. Oh, yeah. So we meant to talk about this last week, and I completely forgot about it, but uh, it's been a little bit of time since I played this, but uh, we <laughs> joked... Not joked, but we talked uh, maybe like two or three episodes ago about how like I had picked up Switch Sports and I was like, it's just good to have on a shelf, right? Like you don't, mm-hmm. you're probably not going to play a ton of it by yourself, but it's good to have for scenarios when like you have family or friends over or something like that. Um, I take it back. I think it's fun to play online <laughs> <laughs> because uh, I got really into that like soccer mode that they have that's new really? to switch sports because it's the most like control intensive because you are using both uh joy cons for it but it's basically lucio ball from overwatch or oh yeah um rocket league where you have like a giant soccer ball and so you're just like running around and you're you're swiping the the controllers to do your the kicks so you can kick it up and to the side and stuff like that. And it's just a lot of fun. I don't know. Like it has matchmaking online. So it's like teams of four. Mm. And as you play, you like, I think you do like, and, and this is the same for all the game modes, but you play 10 matches, I think. And then it like, is like, oh, now you've gone pro. So like you start off with like an <laughs> E grade and you're like, as you win or you like perform well, you start gaining experience towards like pushing your grade up. And so like you can work on building that grade up. Like it's not for any particular reason. I think it's just like to show how much success you've had, I guess. Bragging rights, maybe I guess they would say. But um, you can build that up individually on each of the different game modes. Um, and as you do that, like you gain experience after every match. And once you get up to like a hundred, you get, you can unlock like a new cosmetic item of some sort. And like, it seems like every week they have like a new pack of like cosmetics to unlock. So I got into trying to get some of those cosmetics. um, And so that was fun. The, the thing is it's, it feels like it's a little bit lacking in terms of content and modes and stuff. Like it would be nice if you could go into like the bowling mode, for instance, and choose to match make specifically for like the special game mode that involves like mm. bowl on these crazy lanes that have, it's like mini golf, but for bowling where there's like Ooh. obstacles you have to roll around or there's like, you know, it's like a track that kind of has a dip or and then it goes up. So you have to roll your ball in a different way to try to hit the pens. Um, I found that fun, but I there's no way to select it. So you're just if you want to do bowling, you're either going to do the the normal mode, which is a little bit like a 
like a battle royale type of a mode where you start with 16 people and after each set it like whittles down until there's only one person left mm-hmm. um but it's that's normal bowling it's not the special type of bowling so like you end up playing a lot of that when maybe you would rather do the special but you can't search for it because it's not an option uh and with like tennis and some of the other modes there's like it's just the tennis there's like not special modes there's not like the bowling one doesn't have i think in the wii version there was like you could you had to try to knock down like a hundred pens or whatever um oh i remember that that was cool yeah there's nothing like that in here it's just the basic stuff you don't have the you don't have any options like if you wanted to do like a longer match of tennis for instance you don't have the option to select that you just have like the basic like one set um so that's a little disappointing um, and I do think it should have launched with golf and like baseball right out of the gate um, just to fill out how much content was there. But golf is coming this fall. And I suspect that they're going to treat this like um, a little bit like a game of service where it's going to be like, here's new modes. Here's new yeah. customization. I think that is the case. And I feel like it's going to be one of those things where they're going to be like, here's gba and um game boy games for nintendo online also the switch sports pack is tied into nintendo online so it'll be like the next version of like the animal crossing dlc where it'll come Mm -hmm. bundled in with nintendo online but yeah i think that makes sense so I feel like that's the direction this is going. Um, I do wish there were more options for the online stuff, but it, what's there is fun. It's just like when it comes to tennis, I find I find tennis a little bland, especially when so like I have I've played the Mario tennis and there's like obviously those games like try to go out of their way to make that mode like over the top and interesting. Um, and so to play that and then to go to the switch sports version, it's a little bland by comparison, but, um, it's still like the other game modes I think are still fairly fun, especially the soccer. Highly recommend that one. (laughs) I started watching the new season of stranger things. How is it? Did that just come out? I think, yeah, it came out yesterday. Uh, I think I watched the first two episodes, two or three. It's uh, it's good. Uh, they really ramped up the horror this season. Like it's uh, some really gross stuff happens. Um, <laughs> but it's fine so far. I don't think. Like I feel like this happened last season too, where it's fine, but everyone is sort of in disparate areas. Like they're not all together, and I feel like the show works the best when all the characters finally meet up and tell each other everything they've learned about the situation and then they're all working towards the same goal so i'm excited for that to happen it seems like they are uh collecting also uh i forgot that uh that one guy steve uh works at a family video which i briefly <laughs> worked at for a while oh yeah so it was very nostalgic to watch uh him work in a family video um well this is set in yeah, the 80s so they could have done blockbuster they could have done Blockbuster, but they're like I they're in like the Midwest though. Well yeah, but I wonder I wonder if Midwest it would be more expensive. 
I wonder if it'd be more expensive for them to use the Blockbuster branding. Yeah, maybe that's what it was. Also, maybe it's just because I only saw them up here, but I feel like Family Video is more a Midwest because they weren't in uh, Texas or anywhere else that I was at. Really? Um, you know, didn't have yeah, Blockbuster? Family, we had Blockbuster. We didn't have Family Video. Oh, uh, okay. I was going to say, yeah, we had Blockbuster, but I don't remember there being Family Video. But really? Maybe... maybe Maybe I'm just misremembering because I maybe it was just that my family only ever went to Blockbuster. But the two we had were uh, Blockbuster and Hollywood Video. Well, yeah, we had Blockbuster and Hollywood Video. I don't remember there being Family Video, but once they really? once Family Video popped up, they were everywhere. Yeah. Um. But yeah, it's been good. I I definitely prefer all the. I think Steve and uh, Robin, his like friend are my two favorite characters so i am interested whenever they're on screen but they're i don't know there's like a lot of depressing stuff happening as well in the first two episodes like where millie bobby brown is like being bullied and it's like very sad to watch Mm. um so i'm not into that part but uh i'm gonna continue to watch it my fear is that this whole so the last this is i believe gonna be the final season and it's cut up into two parts as they are wont to do these days. Uh, so the first part, I think, is like eight episodes, and then the second part will be out, uh, I think, next year at some point. Oh, really? Um, but my fear is that this whole first part is going to be the part that I'm not super into, where they're all like on their own journeys collecting information, and then the final episode will be them all getting together. And then the next half of the season is going to be the part that I enjoy, which is where they're all together, all working towards the same goal. Yeah. But hopefully that's not the case, and they do all get together and start hanging out together this like half of the season. I feel but, like shows do that where like what I like is when they start out and they're all sort of on their own a little bit, or they're in like different groups, and that's how you get to know them, and then eventually. Mm-hmm their paths converge and they all group up and that's like super yeah. fun in the first season. But then eventually they do this thing where they split everybody off again and that's not as fun. Yeah. And I'm not sure how it's going to work. Cause like, it seems like there's three disparate things happening. There's people that are in Hawkins that are trying to figure stuff out. Everybody in Hawkins is now kind of in the same group in, in like the second episode, but then the other half of the people are in California, and I don't know how they're going to... I mean, I assume at some point they're going to have to get back to Hawkins, but I don't know what's... Right now, they're just having their depressing California story. <laughs> uh, and then a third group is Winona Ryder and Brett Gelman are trying to free the guy that's in Russia. And so I think they're going to go to Russia, and that's like going to be their storyline. So you're hopping between these three people. Um, I don't know. They also they introduced a cool weirdo this there's like a a guy who runs their dungeons and dragons uh game who i think is an interesting new character who i hope does not die um and he is a cool uh addition to the group if he does in fact join the group and start like solving problems with them um but i don't know if he's outside the the normal cast i feel like he's a red shirt so i don't know it's possible that would be a bummer if he died because i think he's a cool guy but um We'll see. I'm going to watch more of it. Also, so that Stranger Things and the Obi-Wan Kenobi show both released yesterday. And I have not started. Obi- There's two episodes of that Obi-Wan Kenobi show. But 
hopefully by next week I will have watched more Stranger Things and started that Obi-Wan show and I'll be able to talk about both of them. I will watch Stranger Things. I just haven't gotten around to it. I probably will not watch Obi-Wan, but I will be interested to hear what you have to say about it. I'm interested in it. I've heard it's good so far. I uh, All the articles I've read have said like, oh, this is exactly what it needs to be and this is interesting and uh, like we're excited to see where this goes. So... Uh, I'm looking forward to it. I just have not. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um, And then I know uh, as we're recording this, it's Memorial Day weekend. So Top Gun Maverick is out and I desperately want to watch that. So I will probably go see that this weekend. I recently watched the first Top Gun for the first time. Yeah, I can't believe it was the first time you've ever seen it. But I am excited to go see Maverick. They say it's great in movie theaters. And yes. so I might actually make the trip out to a movie theater to go watch this. I was going to say, I feel like the shots of like from in the jet and just like watching the jets fly around, like you're going to want to see this on a big screen. Yeah. IMAX if you can. Is it in IMAX? I don't know. <laughs> D-Box if you can. Yeah. Uh, Probably be crazy in D-Box. But uh, yeah, I I definitely want to watch that. And if we both end up seeing it this weekend, maybe we can talk about it next week. Yeah, I'm into that. Uh, we'll see what happens. Yeah, there's the it's a full three day weekend for everybody. Well, not for me, but that's fine. Oh. <laughs> um. Yeah. Uh, are you got anything you're playing recently? Um. Every once in a while, I'll be on my computer and I'll load up Vampire Survivor still to just play around with that as I'm doing something absent-mindedly. It's great on Steam Deck. uh, I would say... I'm trying to think if I have played anything recently. I've been playing that Baba as you whenever I have some free time because invariably I will get stuck, but then I will have another avenue I can go down and figure out more stuff. And so I'm not let, making a ton of progress in it, but it is very satisfying whenever I do complete a level. Uh, I think I'm just like waiting for... I beat uh, that Haiku the Robot, and that was very satisfying. I would love to play another little... I was looking at that Gato Roboto game because uh, it looks pretty similar to Haiku the Robot, but I haven't picked it up yet. Mm. Yeah. Um, have you heard of this V Rising game? Yeah, uh, I saw there were a bunch of articles about it. It's like a top-down game, right, where you're a vampire and you're yeah. building out your castle. So it's basically a combination of Valheim and Diablo, and mm. it's like this year's Valheim, where like it seems like it's sort of the hot new game. It's maybe not on the same level as Valheim, just because when that came out, there was like it was a wide window of nothing else. And so everybody was playing it and talking about it such that even like the min max guys were doing like live streams and talking about it and playing it, which I feel like they don't normally do. Like here's a game, a recent release that we're just going to stream. You know, they don't normally do that, (laughs) but they did for Valheim and um, they have not started talking about V rising yet. I don't think, but it's like that kind of game where I'll like open Twitch and like half the people I follow are playing it. And uh, it seems pretty crazy. It's in early access on Steam. It's like 20 bucks. And I've heard there's a lot of content for 20 bucks. Um, but yeah, basically you're building your keep 
and then you go out and you like gather resources and you can keep building but also because you're a vampire you like can't go out during the day or you'll like burn up so you have to like kind of stay inside um, mm-hmm. but then at nighttime you go out and you can do like Diablo style combat and there are like bosses to fight and it sort of becomes like a, an RPG where you're like leveling up and getting gear and stuff like that so like people are super into it so I feel like that that's one that we're gonna hear quite a bit about uh, over yeah, the rest of the take year a look at that so I'm curious about it I don't know if it's my type of game and if I want to jump into it or not but um, I also, it, it's one of the games that I would try if it were like approved for Steam Deck, but it is not <laughs> currently. So that yeah. hurts my interest a little bit. But I mean, I could always just play it on PC. But it's true. Yeah, it seems like it's meant to be played with mouse and keyboard at the yeah, moment, for sure. Uh, which I guess maybe if I just like Bluetooth the mouse and keyboard to my Steam Deck, but at, at that point, I might as well just be playing it on PC. <laughs> but yeah oh um so i was hanging out with my parents earlier this week and i told you a little bit about this my my mom got the uh switch oled which is OLED. very nice by comparison to the original switch but also she was uh so my younger sister had a copy of super mario odyssey that she loaned mm-hmm. to my mom and she was stuck on Bowser towards the end. And I, so I jumped back into that game. First time I've played it since I originally beat it back in like 2017. Oh, really? And it's so good, that game. It's so good. <laughs> it did make me want to go back and play that game. I was like, it is, you forget because it's been so long, but that game is so, so good. It's so, um, I, I played all the way through it and then I went back and did a bunch of the moon stuff. Mm-hmm. And then my girlfriend played through it but she didn't. She only got like the minimum number of moons per world to get to the next world, and we didn't do any of the moon stuff. So, or like sometime last year, I was like, "Let's jump back into this." And so we started collecting all the moons she hadn't collected and all the like moon fragment moons. Yeah. Um. And man, it's just like it's such a solid game. It's yeah. So replayable. It's so good, and it did like just that little bit of like jumping back into it this week made me want to go back and replay it but uh i have not yet but what i did jump into because i finished mass effect one i started mass effect two whoa um and i have to say i thought that it would be the one i remembered the least because i feel like it's been the longest amount of time since i played that one but Mm -hmm. also like i feel like i've played mass effect one and mass effect three maybe more times than mass effect two for some reason but then I like jumped back in and I was like, oh no, it's all coming back to me. I remember I got to go here <laughs> to talk to this person and then here to, to do this. So like immediately it's coming back to me and it's, uh, you forget like all the good moments in that game. Like I was the best one. Yeah. That's what everybody says. And I was like, I don't know. Like I still have a lot of nostalgia for Mass Effect 1, but as I'm playing it now, I'm like, oh, maybe they are right. Just cause the breakthrough. Like, I feel like is the character missions because yeah. like all the recruiting you have to do yeah. makes you so much care about everybody. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Like they really like got down the crew building aspect of it cuz you yeah. like you're given these uh like dossiers and you go around and you like recruit people to your team. And mm-hmm. then as they're on your team, you like go do missions and in between missions you go talk to them and you like build start building a relationship and then you unlock like the ability to do 
um, loyalty missions. And as you do those, you build up loyalty and like all of that just like really endears the characters uh, to you in a way that the other like other RPGs just don't really do as well. It's so good. Uh, and I, so I've, I've recruited Garrus and uh, Morden and then I, I was doing the uh, one of the DLC things you can do is you can go find like the crash site for the Normandy uh, after it crashes um, in the opening scene of mm-hmm. Mass Effect 2. And I was like, I wonder if this is like what it's going to be like in the next Mass Effect where you're like, maybe you're playing as Liara and you're like, you go find the wreckage of like all this stuff and you're like finding uh, dog tags and you're like, because uh, as you go around on the snowy planet where the Normandy has crashed, you like, you'll find like the CIC just like sitting there and sort of broken mm-hmm. apart, but it, it's still together enough that you can recognize it and you walk into it and then like a little flashback happens and you like see what it looked like or like you'll see a character that uh, is no longer with you that you can sort of have a little moment with. I wonder if they'll do something like that in the next Mass Effect for like Mm. here's pieces of the Citadel or you know stuff like that. What's the status of the Citadel post Mass Effect 3? It's hard to say because it seems like maybe it's destroyed or partially destroyed. It might still be out in space or it might have crashed into something. I don't know. Unclear. If they if they bring Shepard back and it's all cool, I would play another Mass Effect game. I hope they do because what we talked about last week of him possibly still being around. Um, I'm I, into that. I really like that idea. And I think it ultimately it probably is the way to go because it's a little like removing Michael Scott from the office. Like you can't take the main character away and have yeah. it feel the same for some reason. Mm. So I don't know. Hopefully, hopefully that's what they do. But Will um, we... What, EA hasn't said anything about Summer Games Fest, right? Or like anything in the summer? Do you think they'll have any it, presents? I thought they said maybe they weren't doing one this really? year. Really? Maybe I, they did, yeah. I don't recall. Because that would be a good for, gift for For Keely. sure, if they were going to do something, though, if they did do something, it would the concentration would be on the next Dragon Age and not the yeah. next Mass Effect. So just because that's what's coming up next. And I have to say... <laughs> So the only Dragon Age game I've played is Inquisition, which is the third one. Uh, and I liked that one. But uh, I started following this uh, Mass Effect lore podcast that the, this, these people do. And one of the guys on it was like, uh, come follow me on Twitch. I'm playing through the first Dragon Age for the first time. I was like, oh, I don't think I ever actually played that game. Maybe I should watch it. But I did start the game. I just didn't make it very far. So I was watching it. I was like, "Man, these games have not aged well. They look really rough." <laughs> like, uh, if ever there was like a follow-up candidate for like you know a, a Dragon Age Legendary Edition, like the Mass Effect one, like they're gonna have to do that because really pump it up. Yeah, I mean, I remember. Like it must have been 
I don't know, like 2010, 2011, something like that, when I played the first Dragon Age, and it looked and felt kind of rough to me back then. And so watching this guy play some of it is just like, yeah, I don't know. Plus, the weird thing about the first Dragon Age, and I don't know if this holds true to Dragon Age 2, uh, but it was basically MMO-style combat, but it was not an MMO. That's bad. Yeah. Because that's the worst part of an MMO. <laughs> yeah. Which is why I was like, I don't think I could go back now and play this game. Even if I was curious, I don't think I could you know, do it. Here's something. Here's a prediction. I get, We're going to do predictions next week. But um, here's a prediction that I, maybe we'll forget that I said come next week. But uh, I bet that at the Xbox Bethesda showcase, we'll get a little fable. Because we've not heard oh, a lot yeah. about Fable. We only got that one CGI trailer, and that's something I feel like that they could really pull out of their bag of tricks and would impress people. Yeah, for sure. Did you play the uh, first three games? I think I played the first. I, I watched my friend. My friend had, all of my friends had original Xboxes. And so uh, I watched someone play through like the first two hours of Fable. Maybe Fable 2. Two, I think it was just the first Fable, um, and it seemed fine for what it was. Uh, I didn't have an Xbox, so I didn't really super care about it. But uh, I know they got, I know they're like heavily lauded. Like people are into mm-hmm. them. Yeah, especially um, the first two. I think. Yeah, so I I'm excited to see where that could go. I started um, Fable two. Um, I don't know why I didn't finish it because I think I did like it. I just Maybe I like rented it or borrowed it and had to like mm. return it, but I don't know. Uh, so yeah, that's what I'm looking forward to, just to see like what they come up with for that game. Could be really cool. I agree. Uh, also, another thing I did while I was uh, hanging out with uh, my parents this week, I took my PS5 over to show them like what the Dual Sense is like. And they played all the way through uh, that Astro. Oh yeah, Astro's Playroom. Mm-hmm. That game's pretty good. <laughs> like that's for, what I've heard for a tech demo. Basically, that's what it amounts to. It's a pretty good game, actually. That's I've heard that the VR one as well, the Astro's VR whatever, yeah, is yeah. also like a, a super solid tech demo that is actually just like a super fun game. Yeah, I feel like they're sort of missing something by not like just developing Astro's playroom or that type of thing into like a full on series. Like they should, that could be one of their, you know, mascots for the PlayStation. Yeah, I agree. Um, So yeah, I I don't know why they've not developed that further uh, and done like a full on like PS5, astros game but maybe they think of it because they've only done it as like a vr title and uh like a tech demo for the ps5 maybe they they think people think of it as not like a full-fledged series they'd be like what you want me to pay 60 dollars for like a full astro game i don't know (laughs) that's probably the mindset they have but i feel like enough people have played that and liked it that they could do a full one I think that about wraps it up for us. It does. Uh, Do you have any parting wisdom? 
Is there a Smash Burger where you live? There is not. Smash Burger is doing, uh, I think, $1 fries or tots every Thursday until like the end of July. So get some tots? Yeah. <laughs> Tater tots are great. Is my here's No, here's something. I got some uh, like hash brown patties. Like they are, the, they're basically like uh, ovals that are just hash browns that are frozen and stacked up like cards. Those are really good. And I think everybody sells those. You should go check those out. They're great. <laughs> now, I know people don't like Taco John's as much as Taco Bell. But I have to say, yeah. the potato olays are maybe my it's favorite you know, iteration of the tater top. When I lived, I so I briefly, for two years, I lived in a, a remote town in the middle of nowhere that had Taco John's. And I developed an appreciation for Taco John's because they the, the potato olays are great. And also they had like this uh, quesadilla taco that I actually thought was pretty solid. Yeah. Um, I, and so I don't, I used to hate Taco John's, but now I actually kind of like it and I'm nostalgic for it. I was going to say there was a Taco John's like just across the street from my dorm and college. And so it was easy to go there and just get like a bunch of food. And so I also developed an appreciation for Taco John's. It's actually good. It's actually great. Yeah. And potato olays are very good. I agree. Well-seasoned, oh-so-salty. Um, they come with a tub of, like, a, a child's cup full of melted cheese, if you want. <laughs> um, I don't really eat this kind of thing anymore, but if I did, I would today go out and get a six-pack and a pound, and oh, I would enjoy yes, it. Oh, yes, six-pack and a pound, a classic order. Yes. And it would be fantastic, but... I forgot about that. But um, maybe that's my recommendation. Eat some tater tots. Eat some tater tots, wait until Christmas, and go get a Nachos Navidad. Ooh. From Taco John's, if you remember that commercial that was constantly playing. How festive. But yeah, that'll wrap it up for us this week. We will catch you on the next one. Goodbye. Goodbye. Goodbye.